mixed week for English sides in Europe. Theresa May beaten by Cardor in Germany, while Premier League quartet all make it through. We salute the manager who may not have won a trophy, but he has qualified Spurs for the last 16. That's Inter's Luciano Spalletti. And Alisson, who left Napoli crying after he didn't spill Milik. All the news is the group stage draws to a close and a big look forward to the excitement of this weekend in the Premier League and beyond in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hello there, listener. Glad you could join us, especially because we've got Big James Horncastle in the house. Thank you, Big James Richardson. Alongside him, fresh from Talksport International, Alvaro Romeo. Hello, James. How are you? Hola. Hola. Buenos dias. Buenos uh, usted. <laughs> and fresh from Anfield and the Etihad. And on his way to Stamford Bridge, yo, it's Pat Nevin. Hi there, how are you doing? You're just getting strange accents in today, aren't you? You're just putting it on. Strange accents, <laughs> tick. Mine says the strangest. I wouldn't know about that, Pat. Always. No, no. Now, Champions League. All sorted, everybody, the group stage. In the hat for Monday's draw, a Dutch side, a Portuguese side, two French, two Italian, three German, three Spanish... And four from the Premier League. And a partridge in a pear tree. Great work from the Premier League sides, eh, James? Yes, indeed, James. Uh, certainly compared with the Italians. Uh, no? Do you want a stat to get us underway? OK, roll it out. Since the start of last season, who has provided more assists in the Champions League than any other player? Oh, it's James Milner. Oh, Give the listener a chance. He's, he's got more than Modric, Neymar and someone else. Was it Messi put together? No, you're wrong. He's I'm got wrong. the same Damn. amount as Messi, Neymar and Modric put together. That's OK. okay. That's an amazing stat. We've got another remarkable bit of numberage coming up very, very shortly. But let's kick off our, our look back on a dramatic midweek and a particularly dramatic Tuesday with events at Anfield where Liverpool, in third place in the group coming into this match day, took on the group leaders at Napoli and sailed through to knock out football. Pat Nevin, you were there. Remember last time you were here, you were talking about the amazing atmosphere at the Malcanar. Uh-huh. How did this compare? Do you know, certain places are always good in European nights, aren't they? Um, I often think back to Celtic Park's always fantastic, but Anfield in certain nights is an amazing place as well, isn't it? Um, oddly followed that up by with the Etihad, which less so in European nights, to be fair. But Anfield's always something extra special. And I kind of, oddly, I was at uh, Goodison the night before. Hmm. Um, and it was kind of weird. I thought, I know something's going to happen late in this game. Right. It's just, that was the just snake know. derby, of course. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about yeah. that. But you just know. And yeah. that was the case with Liverpool as well. Something was going to happen. A chance was going to happen. And it just did. Uh, it was, uh, I, I thought it was extraordinary. Love the Alisson save. Yeah. But my favourite thing about the entire game, actually was the tactical play by Klopp. I think his tactical movements were brilliant. In what King way? Well, there was a moment, you know, the the change that was made at left full-back um, by Napoli in the second half. So they, they bring on, I can't remember his Gula. name. Gulam. Right, so he fly, and he flies. You know, he's been out for injury for quite some time, hasn't he? But he flies down that left-hand side. Mo Salah doesn't go back. So as soon as he came on, you thought, what are you going to do? You better do this quickly, because if they lose a goal then, they're out because they needed then to win 3-1 and there wasn't enough time and really clever he may get immediately he gets Firmino off puts Salah central because Salah's not going back with him brings Kato in there and it was all the way through that there was little movements little changes little sharp ones like that and it was the speed in which Klopp did it I was really impressed by him mm. for all of that it did take that last minute save from Alisson 
to keep Napoli from the goal that would have seen them go through. Yes, and I think that it's not the first time that Milic uh, misses one like that back in April against Donnarumma. as you remember, James, uh, he, he couldn't score. And uh, this time, it was a very similar chance. Uh, for think, him. Did, was it him who missed it, or was it the Allison save? Uh, I would say that uh, a little bit of both. Okay. I believe that uh, he didn't have the clarity to, to think for a split second in there and to, to put the ball somewhere else. But I would, uh, I would say that I feel very bad for Napoli, because uh, if it wasn't for that Di Maria goal uh, at uh, Parc de Prince, uh, probably uh, they would be through, and they have done enough merit uh, to, to qualify as well. But here, I think that what made the difference for for um, in the group is uh, Paris Saint-Germain beating uh, Red Star twice, yeah. because I think that those six points were crucial for them to top the group. And uh, look, I believe that Liverpool is a fair second uh, team in here and they are going to to be definitely one of those clubs that they seeded uh, in the on the Monday draw uh, will want to avoid. Absolutely. Well, that's kind of been the story of uh, the group stage so far I suppose is that Liverpool were a third seed in this group which Napoli found really hard to take um, because like, how can last year's runners-up be a third seed and as Alvaro was pointing out they're going to go through as a runner-up so if you just won your group and think you're going to get an easy draw all of a sudden you get Liverpool meh. Mm. Who do you think teams would rather not have, uh, rather not draw on on Monday between Liverpool and PSG? Who was you you mentioned? Alvaro went to Belgrade where Napoli hadn't scored, where Liverpool lost, and produced a really impressive bit of teamwork in a four-one victory. Really looked like a side who were beginning to find themselves. Who do you think it will scare people more, PSG and Liverpool? I think Liverpool, just because I think they have that experience of, of going far in this competition and going far in European competitions on the European club. They've reached the Europa League final, Champions League final. I think they feel pretty at home um, on this stage. PSG still not reached, um, gone beyond the quarterfinal of this, of this tournament. And we've seen that even though they have made strides since that Napoli game at the Parc des Princes, when they changed system, they've stuck with that system ever since they've kind of found a bit more balance, that there's still a, a team that has flaws, that um, are shorthanded in certain areas. For example, in midfield, where Marquinhos is often having to play, um, at left-back, where Bernat uh, is playing, not, I would say, um, as good as some of the options of the other top teams, um, despite the obvious attacking talent that they have in, in Neymar, Mbappe and Cavani. Right, of course, Liverpool have got one or two uh, weapons of their own, uh, not least Mo Salah, who added another goal to his tally. Uh, did mention a great stat about Liverpool. It comes courtesy of Sasha Gurinov. Liverpool have scored more goals against Allison in 2018 than the rest of the Premier League. <laughs> they've they they put seven past him in his in his matches for Roma there, including of course five in about half an hour at Anfield. He's only conceded six in the Premier League so far. Best defence in Europe's top five leagues, and I think that's a part of uh, Virgil van Dijk being there as well, who was, again, exceptional. I hear argument, discussion, best defender in the world. Okay, what did you make of Koulibaly, who post-game, Fabio Capello was saying to Billy Costa-Curta, he could have played in our Milan back back four. I think the suggestion was that Billy would have made way for him. But well, it, no, that's what Billy said. It's like, I, I'll, he can take my place. Right. Yeah. I mean, along, he, he merits a place alongside... He would have merited a place alongside the likes of Baresi, Maldini, Tassotti. He was... I thought he was brilliant. Um, he made one mistake, but I think it was a mistake um, that came because the guys in front of him made uh, others. Yeah, well, he the, got himself so flat. Yeah, other, but, than, other than if I was doing the commentary on it, and two minutes before it happened, there's no point in trying to take it around this guy. He's like the wall, mm. and that's his nickname, isn't it? No, if you've got your back to him, if he's close to you. 
but I want to see somebody running at him. He got himself so horrendously square. And if you honestly, it's hard not to beat a guy when he gets himself in that position. Mm. So when he did that, and it was the first time that Salah managed to manipulate that. Now, I was impressed with him, the fact that what he did, he overcovered and covered for Rui, was it uh, on the left back sort of area, uh, who did a half decent job. But as soon as Salah got away, he was there covering the whole time. But the one time, immediately the moment he got him straight running towards him face to face, it was an absolute no contest. So he's got to learn for that. I mean, that was a terrible mistake to make. In contrast, what, what makes VVD the number one for you? Number of things. Um, have a look at what Liverpool did last season, start of the season. Goals they gave away, number of goals even, just the pure stats on it. And then compare it, compare it to the start of this season in the Premier League. And it's laughably different. It's incredible the difference for them. I've watched him since his time with Celtic all the way through. And it was beyond me why the top clubs wouldn't go and get him, why he went to Southampton. Because even then, he was miles ahead. Talked to a couple of people. I remember talking to David Moyes about it and saying, go and get that guy. And he was saying, well, I know he makes mistakes up there. Yeah, because he's bored. Because it's far too easy. He was so far ahead. But he's got everything. Reading their plays is astonishing. He's he break out, he's cut out balls last night. He gets in the, in the Napoli game were extraordinary, weren't they? He, he cut was, out Mertens' leg as well. It's true, but <laughs> I would argue that he didn't mean that. I thought well, he got enough. Whether he meant it or not. He touched the ball first. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he more than touched the ball. He, he, clear, he got the ball really well. To be honest, I will not, James, I won't argue with you. By saying, if someone says, I think he should be himself, I won't argue with you because I've been in the end of tackles like that. Yeah. And I want the guy sent off. I don't actually think he meant it. He's not like that. He will be suspended, though, for Liverpool's next game, whoever that's going to be against. And uh, one or two other injury worries as well as they head into the big game this weekend uh, against Man United. Uh, Gomez already out and uh, joining him. There's some doubt about uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. Certainly also John Matip uh, out of the picture as well. Yes, absolutely. And... uh... I think that Liverpool hasn't beaten Manchester United in Premier League since 2014. Only three players remain from that game, 3-0 at Old Trafford, in March 2014. One of them is Jordan Henderson and the other two, they are unlikely to feature Simon Mignolet and Daniel Sturridge. Hmm. But I think that Manchester United can offer a really a real threat uh, to Liverpool if they want to because this is something that is still to be seen I think that uh, Liverpool yes they need to keep the pace because otherwise Manchester City may be ahead of them uh, from Saturday at 2.30 but at the same time Manchester United are 16 points away from Liverpool to start with but they are very far away from the fourth spot as well so they should really go and attack Liverpool because perhaps this time they are slightly more vulnerable but I don't think that Mourinho will Well yeah the, the last two trips by Mourinho and Man United to Anfield have resulted in exciting nil-nil draws. With the team that he's got at the moment, though, is Mourinho capable of shutting down Liverpool in that just, fashion? He'll just send out the basketball team this time. You know, you know the, you know the guys we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, Lukaku almost certainly plays, Matic plays, Pogba plays. You go through the whole team and you just get the big D- lads in there. Does, does Pogba play? So I'd, Man United so I would off, say, yeah, yeah, with the pure physicality. OK. Man United... Uh, on Wednesday night, losing 2-1, scoring two goals, as Mourinho pointed out afterwards, <laughs> but losing 2-1 away to the 15th best side in La Liga, Valencia. Mourinho afterwards feeling betrayed by the players okay. that he decided yes. to give a chance to. I expect more from my players, especially players that week in, week out, ask why they don't play, why they don't start. Uh, players like perhaps... 
Paul Pogba. Did you see this game? Yes, I, I did. Know. I did. And uh, I was uh, quite disappointed with Manchester United. It's not the first time this season and it won't be the first time this season because Valencia is not a good side at the minute. Valencia, as you said, uh, they are not doing well in La Liga. They are struggling to score goals and yesterday they scored two uh, by Soler one of them a player who normally doesn't score either and let's don't forget that the reason why Manchester United has qualified uh, to the last 16 round is because they got six points against young boys but they only got four in two games against Juventus and in two games against Valencia this is it so I don't think that they are real contenders for the Champions League for this reason, because in the big games they are not producing against the top six this season, or the theoretical top five, uh, they haven't been able to, to, to get a point, or to get points, or at least to impose themselves on the pitch. And this is the big problem of Manchester United. When it comes to European football, you have to be able to impose yourself at some point. What happened in at Turin Stadium a month ago is just a coincidence, but I don't think that playing this way Manchester United is going to get many points or definitely not win big games. Mm. Phil Jones, the first Man United player to score an own goal in a Champions League match since uh, Phil Jones in uh, November 2011. That was against Benfica. What, what about Pogba's performance then? Well, I thought it was a disjointed, kind of incoherent performance. I think the entire midfield um, that United had last night um, didn't play well. Um, I thought Valencia took real advantage of the fact that Nice all over place on their left hand side. Marcos Araujo was pulled at half time, and I think rightly so because he just could not cope with. I think it was Soler and also Piccini, um, the uh, the right back and the right winger for Valencia. And I think they were just pulled all over the place in that, in that period. And Pogba just couldn't get the game by the scruff of the neck. But didn't make a tackle, I think. Yeah, but to be honest, I mean, it was a team that had had eight changes, um, as Mourinho has kind of alluded to. It's a complete rabble that he doesn't seem to trust. Uh, I, I think again, when it comes to you going out and performing in in that kind of context, it's kind of difficult when you have. I don't think they really had a game plan that they believed in and a structure that they felt would get them um, a result in this game. So, what do you think will happen when they go to Anfield on Sunday? Pat says they're going to put the basketball team out. Will they get a big three pointer? I think they'll lose just because I think um, you look at the way United are, are defending at the moment um, and also the fact that we've just been talking about Virgil van Dijk. United just don't have anyone like that who can be dependable and transmit that kind of calm and re- reliability that you need to do your best going forward. Um, and also, you know, I just look at sell out at this moment in time as well, who seems to have really um, hit his best form again. And the idea of him running at, I don't know, Ashley Young or or Phil Jones, I think, would strike terror in my heart if I were a United fan. And there is also another thing. I believe that the best teams of Jose Mourinho, they always have this distinction. Players follow the manager religiously. So there were like 11, 12 players that they were the core of the team and they would follow the manager everywhere, to the cliff, if anything, and jump with him. This time, I don't think that these Manchester United players... Do that, and in fact, Paul they Pog- might follow him to the edge of the cliff, but, <laughs> but then, else might. Then, then they will stay, take the car back, and drive home. But I, I believe that Paul Pogba embodies all this uh, in a way the way he plays, and uh, we know that he's uh, an artist in a way, and sometimes he's a bit bohemian on the pitch, but at the same time, he doesn't do what he should be doing in midfield. So I don't think that he's obedient with the manager. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Spurs are through. 1-1 draw enough because Inter 
managed to draw their easiest group game of all at home to the bottom side in this quartet, PSV, who had nothing to play for. Much applause for Luciano Spalletti. What, from the PSV and Spurs fans? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not so much from the massive crowd that had gathered at San Siro to uh, see uh, the Nerazzurri make their way through to the knockout stages. Instead, it is Spurs who accompany Barcelona through to the last 16. A 1-1 draw away in Catalonia. Barcelona resting most of their team on one hand. On the other, still starting two players who cost almost double the amount of Tottenham's entire 11. Looking at this game, Alvaro, with your experience of Barcelona, how, how, much, of, how, how much of a fight did they put up? Up to a point. The thing is that the game wasn't really, really interesting for Barcelona and the supporters because uh, what was interesting actually was uh, how Cam Nou will welcome uh, Ousmane Dembélé because on Sunday morning he turned up two hours late in training, which is saying that he didn't turn up. And um, it was that uh, question about how he was going to be welcomed, as I said, and uh, he did uh, an absolute uh, beauty. I mean, in there, uh, creating the solo goal, uh, reminding uh, Barcelona supporters probably of uh, Ronaldo when he was playing for Barcelona in 96-97. And uh, Messi played for about 30 minutes. Uh, some good youngsters, like uh, Aleña especially, and Miranda got a chance, and I think that it was fair because in the Spanish Cup a week ago they had done, they did a great job. But I believe that Tottenham had a real, a real, a real chance of uh, getting a victory at Camp Nou. They didn't get it, but the point was enough. And I think that the Spurs are, they deserve uh, to come second because they were much better than Inter at San Siro. And in fact, uh, Icardi's goal in the last minute just uh, got uh, the points out of them, and they were far better against PSV. Uh, and Hugo Lloris could have done better in a couple of actions in there in Netherlands, but in general, Spurs are, uh, I would say, that a fair team in the last 16. Would you, would you agree with that? Do you think the, the, the better side went through? Yeah, I think, um, as Alvaro was saying, uh, Inter quite lucky to come back and win that game um, against Spurs at San Siro. If you then look at sort of Inter's route through this group, um, at PSV, they went behind and they should have had Samir Handanovic sent off. And Mark van Bommel was still quite angry about that on Tuesday night, saying that had they had that decision gone for them, they believe that they would have maybe challenged Spurs to go through as runners-up. Um, but I thought, if you look at Spurs, particularly their last three games in this competition, the late goals that they have scored. Um, so I think PSV, um, was it Kane, 78th minute, 89th minute. Against Inter at Wembley, it was a late Ericsson goal. Ericsson had come off the bench. And then again against Barcelona, 85th minute goal from Lucas Moore, who'd come off the bench as well. So Poch, I think, doing a, a mix of uh, managing his resources really well in order to keep things ticking along nicely in the Premier League um, and the belief that it's clearly coursing through this side because you don't score late goals um, unless you're willing to go right until the end. So I think you have to take your hat off to Spurs and, and uh, again, it's just more evidence of, of Pochettino doing a really, really good job this season. Absolutely. They, they got seven points in the last three games one point in the first three games. So that tells you that they've been up to the challenge despite uh, some injuries, like, for example, Christian Eriksen's one, who, for example, wasn't able to start against Inter, but they've done the job. It's uh, really remarkable. You watch a lot of Spanish football, <clears throat> um, and uh, our friend Guillaume Bag was talking the other day about uh, how good Spurs were. How many he called it the best... Performance by an English side at Barcelona, I think he'd ever seen. Is yeah, but right? he also questioned the fact whether they had enough superstars to Which actually Spurs. really push. Yeah, and 
to be, I, I think what he meant was world class players. Well, I hope he meant that, which is a different thing. Um, and I think, well, wait a minute, just because you play a certain place, I, I would argue that Ericsson would play and get a game for any team in the world just now, just about. Maybe not City, uh, because you know they've got De Bruyne at his best. But um, yeah, he was uh, it was argued back, you know, that there was one or two teams he couldn't get. But I look at what Modric was doing when he was at Spurs, and then Modric goes over, and then suddenly he flowers even more. I think Eriksen's of a level where he's right at the top level of, of football just now. So yes, they can go far, but they need to keep Eriksen fit. Yeah, nice point, Pat. Uh, as for the rest of the Champions League, Paris Saint-Germain, as we. Remarked, very impressive in Belgrade. Juventus not so much away in Bern. Last two weeks for Italian sides, James. You've seen some shockers. <laughs> Roma midweek losing... Uh, in the Czech uh, Republic. In the Czech Republic. Uh, Juve in Switzerland. Lazio in Cyprus oh, losing yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, the thing is... Milan going 2-0 down to a side from Luxembourg. I mean, three of these teams had already qualified. Right. I mean, that would be the, the, the rider on that. Mm. But um, at the same time, yeah, it's quite uh, disappointing. I think Juventus last night against Young Boys, they looked at the pitch and they were like, it's an artificial pitch. It's frozen. Um, we don't really want to get kind of any injuries. Mm. Out Although of this. They, they, and they they did. possibly did, yeah. Yeah. So Quadrado's having a scan on his knee this morning, and to be honest, they probably should have deserved. They probably deserved more than a point in that game. Dybala had a goal, a wonder goal, his second wonder goal of that game ruled out because Cristiano Ronaldo, from an offside position, decided he could try and head it in. Yeah, he didn't actually touch it. No, but it was deemed to have been influencing play. Mm. Can anyway. we scroll back to that? Excuse me. Yeah. They played on an artificial pitch. Yeah. Which was frozen. Yeah. Why I'm not do sure you, if it was frozen. Me, why do you have artificial pitches? Well, I mean, no, I don't <laughs> think it was frozen. It wasn't solid or anything. It just was was very frozen. It, it was the, the temperatures were cold in Switzerland. It was it was frosted. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they were particularly pleased. I mean, they, before the game, they were looking at it and think, the Champions League, seriously, we're playing. Yeah, I'm with them in that one, by the way. Yeah. Mm. Champions League, and you can't get a, a pitch that has under soil heat and it is on grass, mm. and it's not the same game. It's a different game. I've, I've yet to actually see a good game of football. At professional level, played in a synthetic pitch. Really? No, never seen a good one. Yeah, and think about it. I'm somebody who comes from Scotland. Yes. And there's quite a few synthetic pitches in the top level up there. So even in Scottish football, you've not seen no, a good not game? Not seen a game that I would call a really... I've seen an exciting game. Right. But a game of good quality football that I think is technically very, very good. I just don't think it's capable. The, the level below that, where the game's a little bit slower, yep. you actually can. All right. But professional level at that speed, it's impossible. Fair enough. Moving along, Man City finished top of their group. They beat Hoffenheim, uh, Leroy Sané, with a brace. Impressive performance from Phil Foden. Uh, Leon goes through with them after they managed to grab a 1-1 draw away at Shakhtar Donetsk in the snow in Kiev. Bayern won their duel with Ajax in Amsterdam. That's for top spot. Lewandowski with his 20th goal in all competitions. This season, that's more than any other player in the big five European leagues. And uh, Thomas Muller introducing some knockout football to Ajax's uh, uh, Talia Fico, which produced some very funny puns. <laughs> <laughs> Poor chap lying on the ground with his head opened. He had to be stapled back together. And there's, uh, there's certain people going, he's got Mullered. And then Muller gets sent off. So James here goes, oh, yeah, Barney going to be Muller light. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we like apologised. We hadn't been, we been shown uh, pictures there of just yeah. the kind of the damage. That we hadn't seen. Been, no, we didn't know. We didn't see it. 
Yeah, it's a yeah. common managerial kind of right. excuse. <laughs> Excellent. The big story, though, midweek, I have to say, and Alvaro, you'll have an interesting take on this, was Real Madrid taking on CSK Moscow. CSK, you will recall, are the one team in Real Madrid's last 33 European fixtures to have stopped them from scoring a goal. That shock win back in October that marked the end for Lopetegui. This time around, CSK arrived at the Bernabeu, fresh from defeat at home to Pilsen. In their previous Champions League match, guess what? They went and beat Real Madrid again, and this time they did it 3-0. Alvaro, that's the biggest margin that Real have ever lost by in, what is it, 252 European matches? What I know is that the biggest defeat against... Uh, well, is their biggest defeat in Europe at home. Yes. Ever, that's right. for sure. But the, rather than the scoreline... I think that the big problem at Real Madrid is what happened during the game. There are many things that I don't know if they went unnoticed here in the UK or obviously uh, Spanish media are talking a lot about them. Like, for example, Isco yesterday. At some point, he got uh, booed by Real Madrid supporters because he, he just didn't make the right decision in one of the plays and uh, he had a go to the to the Real Madrid supporters. Oh, what did he do? Well, he, he was uh, encouraging them to whistle and boo him more uh, in a sarcastic way, right. as you can imagine. And uh, then he refused to take the Real Madrid armband uh, as soon as Marcelo got out uh, from the pitch. So it was Isco's time to get it, and he didn't want to get it. Uh, because uh, uh, he is a player who has been disputed, and uh, he has been one of those players who either you like or hate at Real Madrid. But we cannot deny that he has been pivotal to some of uh, the latest Real Madrid achievements. In fact, he was so good that in the Champions League final in Cardiff against Juventus, Gareth Bale didn't feature or didn't start because Isco was too good to be out of that game. Mm. But this time there is a problem with him. I believe that uh, his uh, situation at Real Madrid uh, is much worse than uh, than I've ever seen uh, in his in, career. In what way? Uh, it is said that uh, he doesn't have a good relationship with Sergio Ramos and some other players from the oh. squad. And that's number one. And number two, uh, Santiago Bernabeu is tired of him because uh, he produces beautiful things, but at the same time he can be uh, really, really slow sometimes. And he's the kind of player that plays for himself. Uh, the main difference between Isco and Iniesta, because people compare him a lot, compare them a lot, is that Iniesta made the team play. He got the game in his head. Isco, he only has his own play in his head, and he does it, uh, irrespective of the team needs that or not. And uh, I think that Isco's case is one of those of uh, um, there is no a point of no return in there. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and and Wednesday night will mark perhaps a significant moment in that uh, story. So. Yeah. You think he'll be out of Real Madrid soon, then? I would say that it's likely. Okay. Yeah. What, what, what so will this not, mean? So he's not a team player, then. So when is he signing for Manchester United, then? Because that's the oh. sort of player. What, what about for uh, Santiago Solari, who'd had just one defeat in eight before this? Yes, but uh, he had a terrible defeat at Eibar as well. Uh, and I would say that the Eibar defeat is much worse than what happened uh, against CSK because Real Madrid played uh, a handful of youngsters in there. Right. But uh, there have been two heavy defeats already against CSK, against Eibar. Mm. I think that Solari will have to do something really special to stay at Real Madrid. Why? Because the, the, the club doesn't even back him. Uh, I remember when Zinedine Zidane was presented as Real Madrid manager, there was an official uh, unveiling of him. Mm. Uh, nothing like that happened with Solari. We all know that uh, Solari is just a way of patching up a bad situation. 
but it looks unlikely that he will continue as a Real Madrid manager, especially if he doesn't turn the things around. Anyway, right, well, there you, there you go. So, anyway, lots of things happen midweek. Those are some of them. Ian Cade says, which, inverted commas, unusual team will make it through to the quarterfinals before losing on away goals and letting the same old seven teams trot out a slightly underwhelming end to the Champions League. That's a, that's a disappointing take, Ian. <laughs> Surely this is the greatest club competition around. And uh, But who do you fancy? Have you got a surprise in there from the teams that have made it through, the 16? Pat, is it is it Dortmund? Mm. Is it Porto who are on their best European campaign in 22 years under Sergio Conceição? It's one of those ones, you know, you spend your time looking at teams and I try to ignore who, the name of the team and just look at the players who are playing. I've always tried to do that. So that led me to deciding that Real Madrid had no chance last year after they get beat by Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you, you take a chance now. A lot of it depends, and I, I do think a lot of people realise this now, how your team's doing your own domestic league mm. is the antithesis of how you probably do in the Champions League sometimes. Because if you're Real Madrid and you're out of the running, right, forget that. We'll just spend all our time in Champions League. Right, and also presumably and, it depends hugely on what your form is like in about three or four months' time. Yeah. Can, can we call Borussia Dortmund an outsider? I don't think so. But they, they, they are great. They went through an Atletico Madrid group, uh, topping the table. They have conceded only two goals in the Champions League group stage. Mm, both in, in, in one, one game. Yeah. In one game. The other five games, they they kept the clean sheet. So I think that this team is going to produce something special. And if they are a bit lucky with the draw, which is possible for them, they can be in the quarterfinals. Right. What about Leon, James? Are you excited to see Leon? Look, Leon have certainly got the talent um, and played very well against Man City in uh, in both games. Um, but coming with Alvaro, I think Dortmund, even though they reached the final in 2013, can't forget that yeah they went through that cycle of Klopp, then Tuchel, then Peter Bosch, and they seemed diminished after that. And now there's a real freshness about this team. Still undefeated in the in the Bundesliga, top of the table. They're beating all the top sides in the Bundesliga as well, um, who are in the Champions League, like Bayern, like Schalke. Um, Seven points clear at the moment in Germany. Exactly. So I think I think this team has uh, the right manager and the kind of right talent at the right stage of their careers, where they kind of playing really with no fear um, and I think that's a that's a quite a dangerous combination so a bit like Schalke <laughs> little Bundesliga joke there no fear yeah ben. Here, there's, so you ask who's the outsider then oh yeah sorry. here's the other question then who's the insider who can't win oh. who do you think of that group You've, they have no chance Man United Apart from, let me finish. Okay. Apart from Man United, <laughs> Man United, anyone else, Pat? And that's the thing. Real Madrid. I, the, the reason why I ask that question is I don't actually look at Roma. That. I, Roma can't win. I it. don't think. Yeah, I think outside as well. I would say Spurs have got a chance of winning it. Right. I would say Liverpool have got a chance of winning it. Definitely Manchester City have got a chance of winning it. All the so those three English teams have, and then you look at all the ones that are first seeds. Most of them, you think, yeah, you could win it. Yeah, I think sure. it's brilliantly. Wouldn't open. it be great on the subject of, of kind of outsiders and that? Wouldn't it be great to see Ajax make a real run? Yeah, the, the amount of times that well, we've talked about it in here before, but you think, oh, they're a bit young, you know, it's a bit early yet, and they keep on coming back, they keep on doing it, and that was a great result against Bayern. Yeah, and to get the three goals there, so you know, it would be nice to see them and remembering what they've, you know, they're historically back in the seventies, what they did the three in a row. It'd be lovely to see them back so that they get a great team, and then sell them all on. Well, again. yeah, I was just going to say they might even hang on to a couple of players. If... This is the best Ajax since two thousand three, two thousand four. I remember that they had this generation with uh, Snyder, Van der Vaart, um, Chibu, Ibrahimovic, oh. Mido, 
all these great players were there, yeah. and they were really good. And this is probably the, the best Ajax since then. I would say that not only, not only they've got youngsters, but this summer they have done a very unlike Ajax signing, which is Dusan Tadic. Wow. A, a player who comes with a bit of experience, and he has given so much clarity to Ajax up front, uh, passing the ball, uh, perhaps not playing very physically, but always looking for the angles, and he's making a difference at Ajax as well. He's scored, Alvaro, as many goals for Ajax this season as Southampton have scored. Not for Ajax, <laughs> but in, in, in total. It's crazy, isn't it? One it crazy. One well spent the, money. One defeat in the last 21 European games. So Remarkable. it's not a flash in the pan. And I think they're they on a 17-18 game unbeaten streak in all competitions at the moment. But yeah, well, we'll see what their form is like in February and what their luck's like on Monday when the draw is made for the last 16. Right now, time for a bit of business and then, hey-ho, Premier League. Ah, Christmas. The time of generosity, great food, terrible television, even worse jumpers and a packed Premier League fixture list. And nobody does generosity at Christmas like Paddy Power. We're giving money back as a free bet on at least one game in every round of fixtures. The only people paying out as much this Christmas will be Man United when they inevitably terminate their manager's contract. Ah, you'd be a turkey to bet anywhere else. Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. Applies to first bet on all losing goal scorer, correct score and waters, paddy bets, max refund £10, T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Liverpool are a point clear of City at the top. Spurs, Chelsea and Arsenal behind those two separated themselves by only two points and then a chasm of eight points between the leading five and United in six. We spoke a little bit about Liverpool-Man United before. That'll be happening on Sunday. Prior to that, City will have a chance to go back on top at home to Everton. Now, Pat, you went to Everton's Monday night game, the Snake Derby. <laughs> it was, rather. Yeah, what um, happened? Oddly enough, I've been kind of haunting these two teams over the last week. I've seen Man City twice this week and Everton once. Um and Everton, I have to say, were a bit of a disappointment. Oh, yeah. and they didn't play very well at all. Uh, Second half, they were basically out-battled by a team that seemed to be a bit annoyed. And they were a bit annoyed. Do you think <laughs> it was it was it personal? Um I think it might have been was was part of it. You know, they were sent out. Certainly their fans were like you know really up for there weren't a lot of them, I'll grant you that, at Goodison Park on Monday night. But uh, they were up for it in the second half and they outbattled Everton. Everton very lucky in the end. Having said that I still think Everton have got a great chance of doing quite well this right. season. They can upset anybody this season because and they're a better balanced side now. And Lucas, Luca Dean, what what a lovely free kick at the and end! No? What a lovely free kick, and everyone will remember what he did in the ninety fifth minute. To be honest, apart from that, there wasn't, there wasn't much. <laughs> and it's classically one of those, you know, there are highlights games where people remember. You know, every mm. player's got games like that where they remember. Wow, you had a great game. You scored two goals, and you're thinking, I was hopeless that day. <laughs> you just happened to be in the end of two. Well, Dean, you had one great shot there, um, but apart from that, they were second best just about every really? part of of the park. Apart from Mina, Mina at the back was he was quite impressive, but. And uh, they need to do something about the right wing. What do you think about their chances then as they travel to Manchester City in the Saturday lunchtime kickoff? 4 0 at the Etihad. That was January 17. Strange things often happen in, in January. That, under Ronald Koeman, and that, that, that was the game when everyone started raving about Adamola Lookman and Tom Davis. 
and you know they were about to break into the side and herald a new generation breaking through and that can can Marco Silva pull off something similar? I suggest that Lukman should probably play in this game because he didn't start the game against Watford, but it's asking for a lot. However, Manchester City massive. Massive change. Uh, the Chelsea game, I was at that game and for the first half, 40 minutes, they were utterly brilliant. They were totally brilliant. Pure domination. Chelsea seemed to play with a muscle memory from Antonio Conte days. They, they learned, remembered how to defend and they defended rather wonderfully. They got lucky a couple of times as well. But when they got that goal, yes, N'Golo Kante can play that position after all, <laughs> it would appear. They suddenly, they, they grew. Then they added Sarri ball to that canty muscle memory and then you add that on top of the fact that Manchester City missing Silva who actually although on the pitch wasn't playing so mm. he must have been injured anyway Kevin De Bruyne Mon- I was going to say Mendy Mondi <laughs> when he's not playing as well you add that quality of player you know you take away that quality of player from any team on the planet and you're struggling and and Sergio Aguero who arguably might have done something with yeah. some of the chances they created in the, the first half they are down to the bare bones Guardiola talking about only having 15 players available midweek mm-hmm. yes and uh, I think that I think that Guardiola is not trying to make a point or anything like that he's just uh, talking about Manchester City's reality and uh, we know that Manchester City has a tremendous squad but I think that there is a small gap between De Bruyne David Silva and Bernardo Silva and the rest of the midfielders. Mm. Phil Foden for obvious reasons. And Ikai Gundogan, he has never been as good as the three players I mentioned before. And back to Sterling, the thing with him is that he's a very good goal scorer because his record is there. But the thing is that he's not a natural striker. And he's more of a player who reacts very well. So he's very good when he's got a split second to think, no more than that, and then he does the job. But when he thinks too much about what to do with the ball in front of the goalkeeper, he is not a good scorer. Mm. And we should say that Everton have really frustrated um, some of the top sides in this in the Premier League this season. They got a nil-nil at, at Chelsea. Um, it was only that... Jordan Pickford mistake, which cost them in late in the in the Liverpool game, and I think without the ball, they're actually quite difficult to play through because Sigurdsson and Richarlison they don't press the centre backs. They basically just their job is to sort of stop the passing lines getting into the the players who can really hurt you. Um, so in this case, it would be those midfield players who, in some respects, are not there, but Ilkay Gundogan or whoever is playing in that. And I think. Um, I think the, the way they position themselves um, could be really kind of awkward for, for, for City to play through. So. It's, a good interesting. Interesting. it's a good core, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, to the side, you know, Gomez and you know, Richarlison at the top. Yeah. And Keane's actually started playing really well as well. So you look at the, just the, absolute, the core of the team. It's, it's big, it's powerful, and you would trust it completely. Would and you also, trust it to get a result at the Etihad on Saturday lunchtime? It's certainly, having watched the last two games and been at the last two games at Manchester City, with the lack of players that City have got in comparison with their very best team, right? I wouldn't be shocked, just mildly surprised. Okay. Alvaro, what do you make uh, of one of the big issues surrounding Man City right now? Pep's cardigan. Is that something <laughs> that, from a Spanish point of view, does that make sense in a way that we can't hope to understand? I think that Pep's style is uh, an example for uh, for every Spanish journalist. There are some managers, for example, uh, famously Dunga when he was in charge of the Selecao, who who would wear his daughter's line of clothing. That was very much a thing. And it, it was a strange 
ensemble, but it was it was to promote his, his daughter's clothing line. Is there something like that going on with Pep? Not that I know of. I know that he wants to promote something else with the yellow ribbon, but uh, I'm not too sure about, uh, about that thing about with the clothes. Because <laughs> it just doesn't look practical. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it stylistically, but when it's pouring with rain, why wear a chunky bit of knitwear? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't get it myself either. I don't get it. If we talk about practical clothes... Yeah. Uh, Nothing better than Maurizio Charri's outfit. That's for sure. He, he always wears a tracksuit and the granddad collar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But uh, yeah, no, I think that I like what uh, Pep wears. But maybe you're right. It's not very practical for for rain. Listeners, our friends at Beer 52 are back with a special offer to make Christmas that little bit more magical, or indeed manageable, by offering you a case of craft beer for free. We love Beer 52 here at the Totally Football Show. They're the largest craft beer club on the planet and search out exclusive small batch booze from the world's greatest breweries and bring them back for their members. This month, Beer 52 is upping up a selection of Bristol's finest light and dark beers such as Firebrand's Juicy 5.5% New England IPA, the Hazy and Hoppy Kellner Pilsner from Lost and Grounded and Harbour's Citrusy Ellensburg Session IPA. If all that sounds like your type of thing, sign up now at beer52.com football and you'll get eight spectacular craft beers, some delicious bar snacks and Beer 52's award-winning magazine Ferment. All you have to do is pay £5.95 for next day delivery. And if you decide that after this free taster that the club isn't for you, there's no catch. You can leave Beer 52 at any time. Just head to beer52.com football and enter the code FOOTBALL to claim your free case today. That's beer52.com football. Spurs, fresh back from Barcelona. Host Burnley, Saturday at three o'clock. Danger after the new camper being a little bit flat here, is there? Also, Burnley appear to be Burnley again. They went and did a win against Brighton. Yeah, that was their first win since September. Well, they kept a clean sheet too. Tarkovsky back in the side, scoring a goal. Here's another thing. Last season at Wembley, they held Spurs to a 1-1 draw. James. Yeah, Spurs uh, lost the last time they played after the Champions League, which was uh, the North London derby, Mm. uh, 4-2. And it's an equivalent kind of fixture, this. Exactly. Uh, They lost also after, I think, one of the games against PSV, but that was against Man City. So, I mean, we're talking about against top six sides, but still, you know, Burnley rough and ready. So, yeah, could be complicated for them. Was that just a momentary kind of return to last season's defensive glories? Do you think the the, the Burnley Brighton match? Pat, I or? wouldn't write off Sean Dyche's abilities um, to get a team organised and structured. We all know that um, they they haven't actually looked like a team that's had the fight and battle of even close to the level they were last season. If they get that back, that's just hell of a hard to play against. And you're right. I would I think they'll get it between now and the end of the season. Whether that will be enough to keep them up or not, we shall see. But they will take the points off of a lot of teams, including some top six teams. So Spurs will not want it to be them. And I think James makes exactly the right point coming back off that game. And it was very up and down. Was it your point? Well done. Excellent point. I'm very impressed go. by that. <laughs> More points from me coming up. Uh, Spurs, if they slip up, it leaves the door open for either Chelsea or Arsenal to climb into third place. They'll both be playing Sunday lunchtime by the seaside. Yep, sun-drenched Brighton mm, for Chelsea. Brighton the 14th, but very good at home. Rubbish on the road, only two wins in 22, but at home they've got the seventh best record in the table. I mean, it's all right. Seventh best in 
No Shane Duffy. It's very good. No? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. No Shane Duffy. He's suspended. Hackenbash could be involved. That'd be exciting. We've not seen enough of him, I don't feel, after yeah. his World Cup exploits. I mean, this is uh, this is a market that uh, Brighton have done quite a lot of shopping in over the over the last what year or so with Lockadia, who again he hasn't really done anything for them. But um, Yak and Bash um, certainly, I think it would be nice to see him prove the kind of Premier League paradigm wrong, being more Ruud van Nistelrooy than Alfonso Alves in I terms see. of being a former top scorer in the Eredivisie. But um, take some time to adjust um, to this league. So. Certainly does. Chelsea's record is not great on the road. Obviously, they looked good last weekend against City, but they've lost their last two away games, Pat, against Wolves and Spurs. Yeah, the Wolves one was a real surprise, but they didn't play, if I remember rightly. Jorginho didn't start that one. Uh, David Luiz didn't start that one either. So it was a very different looking side, but they were still the better side for about 60 minutes, but they lost um, they lost that battle in the second half. And I'd been to see Wolves just before that against Huddersfield, and they were hopeless. So it just shows you any... These are the ones that are going to really test Chelsea right. you know, in their season and whether they can get that top four finish because if you go away to Brighton, you go away to you know t- teams of that ilk, mid-table, they're fighting, they're well-organised. Chelsea have to be able to impose their style on teams. They won 4-0 in this fixture last season with the breaks from Eden Hazard. They could do with a goal from him right now, couldn't they? To be fair, that's maybe the most interesting thing about Chelsea uh, this weekend. Who's going to play up front? He plays up front. Um, I, you know, and and it looks absolutely brilliant against right. Manchester City. It works a treat. Eventually, you never get a kick in the first half, but eventually, um, and longer term, I don't know. I'm sure you all, you all notice because you all listen to everything. Mertens was talking before the European game this weekend, and he said, "Oh, he doesn't know where he's going to be, but maybe I'll get a phone call from Sari." <laughs> Would you be surprised if Mertens or a similar type of player was brought in for Chelsea next season as a smaller, more technical forward, you know, player as opposed to the big centre forward? When Eden Hazard moves on to Real Madrid, you know? no, no, when <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, 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 yes, um, but the, the, I just don't know if Sarri Ball works as well with a big tall centre forward because he did it in Napoli as well didn't he move Mertens in there and yeah. it seemed to well, work yeah, much better yeah when Milik moved himself out exactly. because of his I would just love to see him bring back Massimo Macaroni from Australia because that was Macaroni. another striker that Sally had you know some great times with so <laughs> yeah it doesn't necessarily my point being he doesn't just need small technical strikers in order to play that way I think it's just a kind of it's well, an issue just with maybe Morata. not Morata. Yeah. Yeah, but okay. the thing is that uh, against Manchester City, he deployed Morata. Uh, he wasn't in the squad for the day. And Olivier Giroud uh, wasn't in the lineup either, which is probably Mauricio Sarri is showing his ways a little bit. Perhaps in these big games, he won't be playing with the big striker. And he will prefer more mobile players. So it's something to look out for. Uh, for the future I think that Sarri may have these tactics and uh, regarding the Mertens thing mm-hmm. it wouldn't be a long term investment for Chelsea we should uh, be clear on that Mertens yeah. is 32 years old exactly. now yeah. Yeah, so. me. this is the team that bought Shevchenko this is the, <laughs> do you want me to list all the Chelsea centre forwards over the years yeah. that you know they, they sometimes do that you know they just get <laughs> some dead that has to I mean Giroud wasn't a long term investment either but you, mm. that's a very good point Pat on another note I know you're doing the uh, match notes when Chelsea play at home for the programme about you know the musical background to the opposition obviously that won't be the case but it's a shame because Brighton you could have had loads there's a lot of musical heritage there I'm thinking I've got what the Kooks oh, yeah. Fat Boy Slim not originally from Brighton 
but very much relocated down there. To, to be fair, the Brighton one's easy. I've, I've, what got, else I've done quite Brighton? a lot of them, uh-huh. you know, this this season. Can I be honest with you, the team that's toughest so uh-huh. far in the Premier League? Burnley. No, I've, I've got. I've not actually done Burnley yet, so yeah. I need to look at that. So far, Southampton. Really, that's what? been the toughest game. Did nothing right. ever happen. It's a musical black hole. Do you wow. know? It's it's really tough to get it. I've I've actually done it now, but who? Um, <laughs> Craig David. Yes, <laughs> love Craig. And representing and the drummer from Coldplay. <laughs> oh right. Hey, rock and roll man. Yeah, you're a big fan <laughs> of the of the drummer from Coldplay as well, James. Yeah, well, I do play the drums. That's the mystery the why I grew my hair. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. okay, back up. Yeah. Do you, call- you still play the drums? Yeah, of course. Well, I I haven't brought my drum kit because I live in a flat in, in London. But you can buy one of those electronic ones. And yeah, but I hate yeah. that. It does, oh, it's, do you? it's like playing on an artificial pitch. Right, you know. especially when it's cold. Yeah. Damn, and how long have you been drumming for? Since I was What kind 14. of drummer are you? Are you jazz, whiplash style? Are you ginger baker? No, no. Are you Phil Collins' big drum break? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, um, was it Mitch Mitchell? Jimi Hendrix. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he yeah. play in the experience? Experience, oh, yeah. 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 Mm. Damn. Could you just tap something out now with your fingers on the thing, just so we know you're not spoofing us? <laughs> Come on, James. Okay. Yeah, it's not Come on, just like. Come on. You can't get a proper fill with your fingers. It's all about the rhythm, surely. Do you know what? We're in Jazz FM. I refuse to believe that there's not a set of drumsticks out, out there. Uh, we'll get back to that one. Meanwhile, anyway, back to the uh, pina colada sipping uh, fixtures on the South Coast Sunday lunchtime over at musically starved Southampton on the banks of the Solon. It's uh, Saints against uh, pipe-hitting Krakow's Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> In what will be... <laughs> Oh, he's just nailed it. <laughs> in what will be Harson Huddle's first home game. So far, he's had a 1-0 defeat away at Cardiff. Arsenal's new manager has impressed you, though, Pat. He has. Um, Emery, for for the fact that, you know, I, I, I wasn't as impressed with him, you know, at PSG, to be fair. You know, the expectations were he did as much as you'd be expect him to do with that amount of talent there. But absolutely no more. Mm. Um, so is he going to be that much better? But you look at him now and you, you you feel a smile breaking across your face thinking, he's changing that now. Yeah, he's beginning to make that happen now. He's bringing a passion in that has been lacking for a long time, particularly in the midfield. But it's also, it, it's invading the stands as well. And that's something that needs to happen. Right. That that needs. There's a fabulous stadium, but it needs to work with them. And the game against Spurs, it really started working. They're high in the table. They're high outside of the table as well. Uh, these uh, <laughs> pictures of Özil, uh, Aubameyang, Kolasinac inhaling legal, stress out legal uh, nitrous oxide. Um, Isn't that what they use in the Fast and the Furious? It is to yes. power their cars, but I yeah. believe it's done differently. You, okay. you know that. that Have I, you tried? Uh, never, 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 never. It's never. legal, Alvaro. <laughs> I know, but no, no, never. Seriously, uh, there's loads it, of it in the gutters when you walk along yeah. the street. There's little silver canisters. That's exactly what I was going to say, ah. and, and I, I really didn't know what it was until right. until someone told me, uh, someone who seemed to be an expert on that, and I thought that it was an energetic drink a couple of years ago uh, that people drank, but I was obviously wrong. But back to the Emery thing, mm. I would like to say that uh, he's making few decisions in there that shouldn't go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Number number one, the goalkeeper thing. Uh, he has made it clear that Leno is his goalkeeper. Number two, he has found a player to to be alongside Granit Xhaka. Last season, Granit Xhaka wasn't escorted, escorted at all. Um, number three, 
I think that the key is not dealing too bad with the Aaron Ramsey situation, considering that the player hasn't renewed his contract. And number four, Mesut Ozil uh, could be a big problem for Arsenal, or if the thing wasn't handled right. But Unai Emery hasn't spurred on the fight uh, with uh, with uh, Mesut Ozil. Maybe internally, uh, he has just uh, burned the bridge with the player. But when it comes to uh, communication, uh, Unai Emery is handling it really well. Mesut Ozil is having some quality minutes, not many, but... Uh, any other manager would have handled it perhaps a bit worse than Unai Emery. I think that he has watered down the problem. And he's he, been balsamic. He, he's been quite balsamic <laughs> as well. Yeah, And uh, Arse Arsenal are, are getting the result. And there is one thing about uh, Arsenal's uh, current spirit that... Uh, that I, it is very very uh, perceptible for me is the fact that they want to they want to mark a clear break from the Arsene Wenger's time uh, I remember when uh, Lucas Torreira was pre uh, presented as Arsenal player I interviewed Torreira for the Arsenal television and uh, pre I pretty much uh, read whatever questions they they give me, uh -huh. and there were six questions about the Uruguayan character that uh, Lucas Torreira could uh, bring into the team. Right. And I think that there is a narrative that Arsenal wants to write as well. With this new player from Uruguay, uh, they haven't had a midfielder like that since Gilberto, Gilberto Silva, of Arsenal being a more electric team this season, stronger, perhaps more, more up to the challenge. So there is something changing in there, and I think that Unai Emery is uh, capturing very well that vibe as well. Okay. Do you think it's quite interesting? The star of Torreira is rising and Ozil is falling. When you look at the styles of them, they're almost diametrically opposite, and that tells you something about them. The other big thing about that is remember where Emery's come from and the, and the strength of the personality of some of the players that wrested some of his control of him. He will not let that happen again. And that's possibly one of the reasons why Urza will be nudged aside. Interesting. We'll see if uh, it all results in Arsenal actually having a half-time lead for the first time this season. When they visit the new-look Hasenhutl Saints, uh, we'll talk more about the rest of the Premier League when we return after this. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsors of Melchester Rovers. Find out more at RoyTheRoversOfficial.com This just in, listeners, drumsticks... And not the chicken variety. Bingo. Oh, look, we've got multiple sets. It's James that's... Uh, okay, so... I'm oh, sorry, but you can't work with these. These are difficult circumstances. These, these, these are no pencils. Yeah, no more than Dybala faced on that plastic pitch on uh, Wednesday night. No, I can't so get So these any. are basically pencils that have got... And look, you've got, no, you've got no bounce on this. This isn't a skin. You're asking me to put it on a table. Well, you just got to style your, your break to suit the... Uh, what, do you want some cups and stuff to hit? I'm sure if you were out on the street, you could busk with the... Can, can That's I set, why I'm not out on the street Can I set you up for this when you put okay. it away? Yeah. yeah. So what do you call a guy who hangs about musicians? A drummer. Well, you're supposed to say James Honkars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, anyway, OK, so we've just brought some drumsticks into the studio, listener, and now time to see just how good a drummer James Horncastle is. Yeah. So, I mean, you're asking me to play on a table with two pencils. That's correct. We've <laughs> 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 We've all done it. Do you want some cups or pots and pans as well? <laughs> no, because again, you're not going to get any flex off any skin. I appreciate it, it, clearly, that. This isn't. It, you this haven't been recorded as like you yeah. are the lead singer. In this. Well, you, you'll be the you'll be the lead singer as well. I'm trying to think of well, Phil Collins. Phil Collins. You'll be the Phil Collins. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's going to rock my world if that were the case. Yeah. <laughs> you may know Dave Grohl, of course. Dave Grohl. Of course. Thanks. Dave that's what were we even thinking, but Dave yeah. Grohl? If if you find a drum kit. Uh, 
another time when I'm in, I will play. All right. So there you go. Well, I have to say I'm disappointed, listener. We're not going to get drumming from James Horncastle. All that's left for us to do is talk about more football. Luckily, it's very exciting down the bottom of the Premier League where there's a seven-point gap between Brighton in 13th and the rest. Cardiff are four clear of the drop, Newcastle three clear of the drop, Palace only two and Burnley a single point ahead of the bottom three who are, of course, Huddersfield and then below them, Saints and Fulham. Fulham, this weekend, are going to be hosting at Craven Cottage a West Ham team that's on a three-game winning streak. They scored three goals in each of those as well. Here come the Hammers. Actually, I can remember the first time this season I was in and West Ham had had a terrible start and I rather confidently said, do not worry about West Ham. They are going to be absolutely fine. They've got plenty of very good players. Uh, they've got an extremely good technical manager as well. Um I Pat, actually, is that the equivalent of retweeting praise? What you, just <laughs> I was say. you didn't wait for the butt. <laughs> okay, sorry. But. <laughs> but a blind man could see it. It was so really? obvious. It wasn't clever in any way whatsoever. Okay. Purely because you know that they, they, they'd spent a good bit of money. You right. know, and I think. So now you're in humble brag territory. Yeah, just, <laughs> just honest. I'm afraid. Just honest. Fulham have spent a good bit of money as well. Though. That's true. Yeah. Can I underline yeah. the? The calendar of West Ham uh, coming ahead until the 2nd of January. They are playing Fulham, they are playing Watford, Southampton, Burnley, and Brighton and Hove Albion. They wow. got a big chance in there to reach Champions some, League good, some Champions good 35 League. points. Yeah. Easily. West Ham? Yeah. yeah, they could be 7th, for example, by the end of the weekend if results go their way, which is some turnaround. Amazing. And it's all happened without, well, the last part, without Arnautovic, who's uh, out until the new year, of course. Yeah, which is a real sadness, isn't it? Because he, he, when you watched him before, you know, you wondered about his personality. But you watch him at West Ham and you just think, yeah, build your team around that guy. And the thing, you wouldn't have trusted him as far as you could kick him beforehand. But look at him now. And you, it's obviously he's got something to fight for. He likes the place. He's made to feel loved. But, you know, it's all about a manager usually. Yeah. I mean, they've got a very kind of agile front two now with what Javier Hernandez and Lucas Perez, some very good wingers. Felipe Anderson's really um, good. come good. Mm. So and it's not that has fixed uh, his overweight problems as well, uh, as he mentioned last week. So he, he, he's sharp again and he's definitely a good winger. So that tells you as well that the West Ham squad is far better than some other bottom team ones. I mean, the fact that Arnautovic is out and still uh, Javier Hernandez. Lucas Perez can go there and do the job, tells you that they've got such a depth. I mean, they are going to do really well this season. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish ninth or eighth. Right. Well, the, it's very tight in the middle. Between Brighton, who are in 13th, I mentioned, there's only three points before you're up to Everton in seventh place. Uh, as for Fulham, a winning start for Claudio Ranieri since when things haven't been going so well, still conceding loads, red cards. I mean, they've had quite a tough start. They huh? have, haven't they? Yeah. Everything's been a Ranieri derby so far. That's true. So We'll see how this one goes. Palace, I take you on Ranieri's old side. Leicester, that's Saturday, 3 o'clock. Again, they won 5-0 last season. With five different scorers, remarkably. <laughs> hey, how about this? Benteke was one of them. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. Do you look 
uh, in, a, in a kind of West Hamish fashion at, at Palace and think, no, they're going to be okay. Obviously, their squad is fine. It'll all come good. No. Okay. Uh, in short, because <laughs> it is. It's, it's it, you, you know, you're one guy who absolutely. I mean, I, I, I was down at Palace watching them against Arsenal a little early in the season, and they did show a great fight and a great spirit and. But, you know, they did so well to get out of it last season after that stinker of a start. But I heard the start, and I don't know if it's true. You're right. going to throw it at me, aren't you? The, they had that terrible start last year. They're currently only one point better off than they were at this yeah, point last year. Yeah, which season. is extraordinary, considering. So, so that last makes year, you wonder. They, they gave them a seven-game head start. They gave Last year gave this year a seven-game head start. And there's still only it's, one point. And it's ahead. something... It's I, I, Well done. I, I didn't know the exact start, but it's something like that. And, you know, they got back they got a bit of momentum they don't seem to have momentum now so they're not in a good place right. I would like to say that uh, they don't offer any threat in the box as well because Christian Benteke is not there and Sorloth is not a very good striker either as we know and uh, Andros Townsend Wilfred Saha they are players who need to do something ex- extraordinary to score a goal and um, in the case of Townsend it doesn't happen very often so they need to work a lot as a team to get only one or two one goal uh, it takes it takes them ages to to get that. And then the goalkeeper, Wayne Hennessy, is probably the one of the few goalkeepers in Premier League that never comes out of the goal okay. uh, goal line. Mm-hmm. So every time there is a cross, he's staying still in the goal line. A little bit like David De Gea, but David De Gea has the agility to, to stop uh, well, the header or, or any shot. But I think Wayne Hennessy is perhaps... Uh, the goalkeeping area is something that they will have to address very quickly because he's not having a good season. As it stands, they are still two places and two points above the bottom three. Also this weekend, Huddersfield, who are on the wrong side of that dotted line, host Newcastle. Also taking place this weekend, Watford. Also taking place this weekend, Wolves, who snatched that win away at Newcastle, will be hosting Bournemouth. Uh, that's actually Wolves' second win in a row because they beat Chelsea prior to that, didn't they? Cool. Bournemouth, on the other hand, have lost four of their last five, possibly because they've been playing some pretty tough teams in that run. Uh, who's going to finish higher this season between Wolves and Bournemouth, Alvaro? I think that Wolves. Okay. I really think so. They've got 20, 22 points really? now. 22 hmm? points now. Yep. And uh, they have had this uh, transitional period of uh, adaptation to Premier League. And they're still in the know. So I think that them. They're only a point behind Bournemouth at yeah. the moment. I also think Wolves have probably more potential to spend in January than, oh, than Bournemouth yeah, do and have shout. some quite good connections as well. So I'm, I'm backing Wolves. Going I, Bournemouth. I'm okay. saying Bournemouth. I'm with Bournemouth. I'll go Bournemouth for yeah. one very specific reason. When I watch Wolves, uh, when they play against the better footballing teams, they look comfortable at home. When they play against the teams that are extremely physical, they can just disappear. Um and you need to, and they're usually teams that are a little bit nearer the bottom. You need to pick up all those points so that actually might catch up on them. All right. Watford are up against Cardiff. Watford haven't had a win in six. Cardiff are hopeless away from home. Call this one Alvaro. Watford Cardiff. Uh, I believe that Watford is going to get the better of this game. Uh, Cardiff City, it's funny because. Uh, it's either they win or they lose, but they normally they don't draw, mm. which is not too bad if you want to avoid the relegation. It's all or nothing. Imagine if yeah. that was the next series of that Amazon <laughs> documentary. Instead of City all or nothing, Cardiff all <laughs> With Neil Warnock over I'd Pep. watch that. Yeah. Yes, please. Guys. Uh, yeah. uh, Kyle Roberts says, 
is Pat still selling his pool table? I stupidly told, <laughs> I stupidly told my father-in-law I was going to get Pat Nevin's pool table, and I've had it in the neck every week since. Is it still available, Pat? I'm not selling it. I'm giving it away. All right, so it's there, Carl, but you have to go to the the middle of nowhere. Yeah, Scottish borders. Yeah, Scottish borders. It's, 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 hey, it's not with the a end large of the world. pantechnicon. Yeah, big, heavy, five people, six people to lift it kind of thing. It's a monster. Oh, really? Yeah, major. Anything you're looking to clear out of your residence, Alvaro? James? Uh, no, I mean, there's a drum kit up in the <laughs> Barely used. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, excellent. All right, well, let's take a very quick break and then wrap things up with a bit of talk about Europe. Syria this weekend. Is it Sunday night that you're in Derby? Saturday, I think. It's Saturday. Yeah. Torino against Juventus. Which we briefly touch on, mm-hmm. briefly, in Golazzo this week when yourself uh, and uh, Gabriele Marcotti and myself discuss a variety of other topics, notably the pretty remarkable career of grumpy old Christian Vieri, Bobo. Party boy Christian Vieri as Party well. boy, also an incredible centre forward and a man who once went an entire season without celebrating his goals, amongst mm. other things. He's now a DJ. Yeah. All the best people are. (laughs) (laughs) Pat, I think if you were to hear his record, you would struggle to place yourself in the same category as as Bobo DJ. um, I'm I'm perfectly comfortable and happy with that. Um, You're talking about the players who don't celebrate. Of course, it follows Balotelli. didn't celebrate for a long time. Mm, A lot of his goals as well. Yeah. I mean, a postman doesn't celebrate delivering the mail, does he? That's what he said. (laughs) That's very true. It's true. It's very true. Uh, Let's talk about La Liga Alvaro, since you're here, Barcelona, who are two points clear of Sevilla and Alaves, are at Levante, where they lost 5-4 last season. Yes, they did. And I think that that was the time when uh, Ernesto Valverde suffered his first defeat as Barcelona manager, and it was already in May. Mm, I believe that Barcelona, they are doing all right this season. They are definitely up for the biggest challenges, because they have beaten Real Madrid, they have beaten Spurs, they have been able to beat Sevilla. But uh, on the day-to-day basis, the routine, Barcelona hasn't been solid yet. Uh, perhaps because Suarez has been out, Messi has been out as well. But this is the right time to rediscover the form, especially because Real Madrid are going to play the Club World Cup. And if you can get some distance with them mm. uh, before before Christmas, there is more a psychological than, effect in there. More, more than the five points they already have on, on Real Madrid. Yeah, more. What about Alaves and Sevilla? How long can they maintain the, these lofty positions? I think that Sevilla can. But Alaves is clearly not able to do it. In fact, I believe that this weekend in the Basque derby against Athletic de Bilbao, they are going to they are going to suffer. They are going to suffer. But Sevilla is a good team this season. Right. Uh, the bad thing for Sevilla is that they are playing Europa League, and uh, sometimes the calendar doesn't help them. And they love uh, that competition, Alvaro. They love it. They love it. If they could just play Europa League, they would play Europa League. But I think that this year. Sevilla doesn't have such a big chance as before because the level of Europa League teams at the minute is astonishing. Arsenal, Chelsea, Valencia, Napoli. It's going to be Inter. Europa League is going to be a cracking competition from February onwards. Okay, excellent. Uh, Athletic de Bilbao, uh, who have... uh, So Garitano is... Garitano. Gaisca Garitano. Garitano (laughs) has become their manager. Yeah. Is he the right man long term? asks Jack Tanner. Well, he's definitely going to stay because you cannot be an interim for more than 15 days and um, there won't be any change before Christmas because okay. Athletic Bilbao has elections now on the in the Christmas break and uh, 
there are two candidates and none of them have uh, given any any name uh, or any manager they want to sign. So Garitano is going to stay uh, until the end of the season. But I believe that the best athletic, the Bilbao, is always that team that not being able to invest in players, they invest in great managers. Bielsa, Luis Fernández, Jupp Heynckes, Ernesto Valverde, these are the people that make the difference at Athletic de Bilbao because, as I said before, we cannot sign any any really good quality players because we are stuck and uh, restricted to the to the Basque uh, to the Basque players. All right. In the Football League, oh, that new Netflix documentary, Sunderland Till I Die, starts this evening. Oh. If you're listening on Thursday, this evening. Just 24 hours after Netflix announced its stock price was down 37%. As Jonathan Wilson tweeted, Sunderland will literally relegate anything. <laughs> uh, they doing well this season, Sunderland. <laughs> Who's going to win the Scottish Premiership, Pat Nevin? Uh, Celtic are going to win it. Um, however, it has been a joy watching Stevie mm. Clark pushing Kilmarnock as high as they have. However, they had the audacity to go top last week, so Celtic smacked them down very quickly. Yeah. Five, Five goals, yeah. yeah. In League 1... Don't know if we'll have any games actually, because last weekend the matches, most matches were called off, and some I think have already been postponed from this week's fixture list. Uh, the one that we'd probably be focusing on will be Leon against uh, Monaco, where Thierry Henry's actually now won two of his last three, still in penultimate place in the league standings. <laughs> uh, but there you go. But we don't know if they're going to play that game. Oh well. Uh, <laughs> so, let's get some odds on matches that will be taking place, as far as we know. Producer Ben's been doing that talking thing with Paddy Power. Thanks, Jimbo. I'm going to do this again. You still there, listener? Lee Price from Paddy Power is. Lee, how are you doing? I'm very well, Ben. How are you? Yeah, I'm OK. Favourite bit of the show today? It would have to be Jimbo's impassioned plea for Mourinho to stay in the job and that he's actually doing a good job after all. Exactly. What? Exactly. Go back and listen to that bit, listeners. Um, Let's talk about Mourinho. They're going to Anfield, his Man United team. Uh, give us the overalls here and a bit of first goal scorer as well, please. Yeah, this is really one-sided, as you'd probably expect. But in the Premier League era, Man United being 5-1 to one to win a Premier League game is pretty extraordinary. But even that looks generous to me. Liverpool 8-15 to, to get the win and the draws are lengthy 3-1. to one. We think United are going to get beat. As for first goal scorer, we're not sure they're going to score, really. Salah, Mane, Firmino, Shakiri all top the bet in here. Lukaku tops the betting for United at 17-2, to two, but he's been hit and miss recently, hasn't he? Have you got a money-back special on this one? We do, and it's a good one, I think. It's money-back as a free bet if Liverpool win, and that applies to you losing first, last, anytime goal scores, correct score, what odds paddy markets, max refund £10, T and C's apply. Elsewhere in Merseyside versus Manchester, City are taking on Everton. I have a feeling that Everton may make it two defeats in a row in the league for City. What do you say? <laughs> Uh, we don't. Uh, Everton are 11 to 1 to win this game. So I was slagging off United there for being 5 to 1. Everton are more than double that price. City are 1 to 5 to win this one at home. And the draw 6 to 1. We're quite hot on City. Well, Lee, you're quite hot on City. And that's an image that's going to stay in my head for a while. Um, I'm not quite so hot on Arsenal, Spurs, or Chelsea. Give me the odds, please, on the treble of them losing. <laughs> this is um, even madder than City losing. So. The treble for this is Burnley beating Tottenham, that's 16 to 1. Southampton beating Arsenal is 11 to 4. Brighton beating Chelsea 13 to 2. Put them all together and you get 477 to 1. Woof. Okay, and finally, uh, something even more implausible. West Ham making it four wins out of four. Can they do it? 
we think they can. They're the favourites to beat Fulham, which I know isn't saying much, but they are away from home. They're seven to five to get the win here, and actually now odds on four to five finishing the top half of the Premier League. It's been a great week or so for West Ham. You can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. So you're tonight going to be Pat where? Um, I'm covering the Chelsea. That's the Mulvady game, but I'll be doing it from Stanford Bridge. We've got a studio there. Oh, I see. Um, right. And I'll drive back up the road after that. But uh, that's a six game that I've covered, as I say. Um, right. And the, do you know the great <laughs> but thing? Six sta- five stadiums in five days. Yeah, so which is you know, been a bit of a drive <laughs> around yeah. the country. But they've all been really good games and it's there's no complaints from me. It's, it's a joy to be able to do that. But the Chelsea Man City game's a cracker. Really interesting Newcastle game. Last minute goal at Everton and when they were playing against Watford. And obviously we know that the excitement at Liverpool. And then straight on to the Manchester City game, which everyone would expect to be dull against Hoffenheim. And yeah. it was an absolute never cracker. Never dull with Hoffenheim. Yeah, and well, never as I adore that team. Yeah. They are the goal show team, Hoffenheim. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we just love them. By the way, why are the French games, uh, they've been cancelled, their tickets to the whole Gilets Jean thing? It is very much because yeah. the, the police are busy elsewhere. Oh, that reason. I thought it's yeah. because the referees wear that colour as well and they might have thought they were Gilets Jaunes. Well, I wondered if it's because, you know, the, all the... Maybe the Gilets Jaunes were the same people who do all the match shooting. Because <laughs> that's what it looked, you know. Wow. Yeah, it's quite intimidating if that's the case. Very much so. Uh, okay, what have you? What about you, Alvaro? What are you up to? Talksport International? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, are you, where are you going to be this weekend? I'm going to commentate on uh, Manchester City Everton mm-hmm. and Manchester United Liverpool. So Nice. Uh, from, uh, at, uh, no, unfortunately uh, this time uh, we'll do it from the studio. Right. Warmer? Yeah, definitely warm, especially this weekend. I think that it's going to be freezing. Is out it? There. Can it be freezing? Well, definitely today and tomorrow. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Saturday is cold as well. But I'm looking forward to this Premier League weekend because I think that uh, the Manchester United-Liverpool or Liverpool-Manchester United game uh, is going to show if Liverpool can keep up the pace with mm. Manchester City. This is the first big challenge for them as leaders of the Premier League. That's so true. Pat, by the way, when you were a player, did you wear long sleeves and gloves in this kind of weather? No, I wore long sleeves rolled up every single game of my career. Did you? What about when your fingers got cold? They didn't. You run about, you get warm. See. <laughs> the snood? Never, never. No, in actual fact, to be honest, I remember talking to John Barnes about this, and uh, just certain people have certain circulation problems and their extremities do get cold. So the concept of gloves with rolled up sleeves or short sleeves is perfectly sensible. Oh, absolutely. It looks silly, but it's perfectly so, sensible. Absolutely. There is a justification for Diego Costa's outfit. Then. <laughs> <laughs> do you might wear what you like as long as you play well enough, you know, but sometimes there's a wee psychological thing going on there. If, if, if you see 11 players in the opposition all walking out, kind of huddled with snoods and gloves on you think right let's go we're going to show them um, because one or two of them just might not fancy that kind of weather it does happen now and again and being Scottish obviously it never affected me he said, he said trying to be a butcher than he actually is <laughs> <laughs> alright then well Pat came in today in freezing conditions without a jacket so perhaps there's something in or that shirt. very nice anyway uh, super Uh, that's it then for today's show many many thanks to you all for being here Uh, we will return on Monday with more of that kind of thing I hope you have a great weekend in the meanwhile and we'll see you then you've been listening to the Totally Football Show a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising email sales at muddynewsmedia.com 
And don't forget to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.